0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm so excited to be here this weekend. And if you weren't with us last weekend, we opened up a new series titled Valleys, and uh, lesson one is available on any smart device, pad or phone. It's available on believers.cc. It's all free. So I encourage you to catch up. It was one of those weekends where the chatter in the lobbies was crazy. I mean, it hit home. It was a felt need. And all I did was I just brought out the truth about, you know, where valleys come from, why we walk through valleys, where's God when we're walking through a valley. And in the Bible, valleys... Are used metaphorically concerning difficult times. Hills are used metaphorically concerning good times. And the Bible talks about four major valleys, and we're going to deal with the first one today. So I'm really, really excited about what's going to happen this weekend. And we're going to talk about the Valley of Siddim, which is also called the Valley of Failure. And every one of us in this room have had failures in our life. And I want to open up with a crazy failure story that I went through about 20 years ago uh, as the leader of Believer's Church. And we wanted to build this sanctuary, only bigger. We had an uh, auxiliary uh, education wing that we wanted to build that's never been built uh, for zoning reasons. And then we also wanted to build an office complex. So we built the sanctuary in the office complex. We raised several million dollars and we took over three years to, to raise the monies uh, to get us started on that. And then we were ready to break ground, and I had to go to Howland, uh to their zoning board for permission, because the way this land was zoned, the building that already existed, the school that we bought, was already too big. And so it was bigger than should even be on the property. So we had to receive permission from the zoning board. Well, they had to send out to all the neighbors and they were able to come to the meeting and object or agree to uh, what we were going to do. And I didn't realize how well known we were and I didn't realize how popular we were. But at that time, I uh, I was in the Warren Tribune every day for almost 10 years with a column called Bible Answers you can see it behind me I was also in the Youngstown Vindicator every weekend for almost 10 years and I didn't realize how well known we were so we have our date set with Hallen, and they call us and they say hey um, all four news stations are going to be here Uh, the Tribune's coming the Vindicator's coming And we have so many people that we're expecting that we're moving it from where we normally have zoning meetings, which is right behind the Halland police station on Halland Corners. We're moving it over to the big room at the junior high. And so I was shocked and I didn't expect opposition. And and I remember walking in and the four cameras, they all start coming towards me, the reporters start coming towards me, the newspaper people, and then we had to sit in the meeting and all the neighbors uh, didn't want us to build. And I understand, I'm a homeowner, so I understood their concerns. And uh, the main concerns were t- too much traffic, and then we don't want our children you know, to be hit with cars going by, and, and it was a quiet neighborhood. Uh, so they were worried about that. So then I'm the last one to get up, and I had the opportunity to defend us building this building. And so I do so, and I, 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 I tried as well as i was able and i just made the point that all the traffic was going to be take place before noon on sunday most people wouldn't even be out and about by then then it's going to be quiet the rest of the week and our people are great drivers and you don't have to worry about your kids we're just coming to church right that's all and uh, made my point as well as i could and the trustees who were very good and close friends with they voted it down and and so here's here's what made it really bad i've raised millions I've told the people, we're going to build this sanctuary. Before they even see me on a weekend, on a weekday, they hear on the news, all these stations, uh, believers are shot down, can't build their sanctuary. And it just, it caused a rumble, right? We had people become very upset. What are you going to do with our money? Aren't, why aren't you going to build a building? That's before I was even able to stand up and communicate. And it, it was a time of incredible shame and public failure for us as a church and for me as a leader. So we decided to fight it. So we took that decision to a local judge, and he agreed with Hallen. And, and uh, so then I thought, well, we're going to go further, right? So we took it to an appellate court in Ohio, and they agreed with the local judge and with Hallen. And I tried to get it to the Ohio Supreme Court and they said, this isn't important enough, we're not gonna listen to this. So it just was a, a season over a year of just, just failure, open failure to the whole public, great shame that I had to deal with personally. And I'll never forget Mr. Emanuel, who was the administrator of Howling Township. He called me one day after all the court hearings and all the different courts and he said, why don't you come in and talk to me? And I'll tell you what, man, I was a younger guy, 20 years younger. He mentored me, and he gave me a plan, and you know his plan worked, and I downsized a little, but hey, we're here, but we were in a valley for quite a season as a church, and it was a valley of failure, so I stand before you. I could tell you one failure story after another, and I'm sure many of you in here could stand up and tell some failure stories, but here's what's so cool about you and I being in the valley of failure. God's heart is to reach his hand down and pull us up out of it and we're going to talk about that today. So here's Siddam in the Bible, um, and, and it takes place with nine kings fighting, five kings on one side and their armies, four kings on the other side and their armies. And guess where they fight? In the valley of Sidom, And uh, two of the five kings were the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah. This is before they went bad and before God destroyed those two cities. And do you know where those two cities are today? Uh, do you know where they're located today? They are underneath the Dead Sea. And uh, when, when God destroyed them, it made such an indentation that there's just the Dead Sea. And that, that has the highest mineral uh, content uh, of anything in the world. It's so valuable what's underneath there. And it's so, it's so full of salt. I was in Israel twice. I literally sat in the Dead Sea on purpose. You float and you can read a newspaper or a book. It's absolutely amazing. You just float. You do not sink. And that's where Sodom and Gomorrah are. So uh, the five kings, with Sodom and Gomorrah kings, they lost the battle. They're being routed. So what do they do? It's great failure. They run in retreat. And I want to read a verse to you. Look at what happened on top of that. Genesis 14.10. The valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to run away from the battle, they fell into the pits but the other three kings escaped to the mountains." Now, it's, it's terrible failure and defeat just to retreat. That's, it's already a loss, but could you imagine falling into these pits? And they were not scalding tar. They weren't the type of tar that burned them, but they became stuck. And so all the other people, the soldiers, the other kings are running, running uh, to hide, and they all see these guys. These guys are openly shamed, but then the enemy armies come, and there they are stuck in a pit. Have you ever felt like you were stuck in a tar pit? Every one of us in this room has been, and some of you probably still are, and here's the shame of it. Some of your pits, your really big pits, might have been 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and they're still influencing your life, and I want to help all of us understand how God wants to just come and pull us up out of the pit. As a matter of fact, here's my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. It goes like this. God wants to take you from the pit to the mountain peak. And that's the heart of God. Now, we, we learned in lesson one, we can't avoid valleys. They do happen. We don't want them to happen. We'd rather they didn't happen, but they happen. And what we want to know is God's on our side, and He really is. He, he wants to take us from the lowest lows in our life. Maybe you're sitting here, and you had a relationship failure, maybe you went through a divorce, maybe a breakup, maybe you had a personal failure, a moral failure, maybe you had one type of failure or another, maybe it's financial, maybe it's bankruptcy, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, the heart of God is, He wants to take you from that pit and bring you up. To the mountain peak. And we're going to show you biblically how you can connect with God so he can do that. But here's a great scripture. I don't think anyone in the Bible, maybe Paul, Paul, Paul would run a, a maybe first or close second with King David. King David had public failure after public failure. And here's what he wrote in Psalm 41. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry for help. So he's in one of his pits Listen to verse 2. He pulled me out of a horrible pit, out of the mud and the clay. He set my feet on a rock. It made my steps secure. David's speaking now from experience. So you take whatever failure you have. Here's the heart of God. He wants to pull you up out of that mud, out of the mire, out of the tar, out of the pit. He wants to take you up to a mountain peak, and he wants to place your feet to where they're secure. And he wants to help you go on from there, never ever being influenced by that failure again. And it doesn't matter if you caused it, it doesn't matter if someone else caused it, the heart of God is to take you up to the mountain peak. And that's a promise God's given to each and every one of us in this room. So I thought, how can I help us see this? And I think one thing we have to all understand is how Jesus looks at our failures. We have to know, how how is it that Jesus sees our failures? That's important. How does he see him? So I want to take a look at Peter. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. He said, uh, "Peter, you're going to fail me, and before the rooster crows, uh, you will deny me three times." And so Peter ha- Peter did that. He had a major failure. And I-, I want you to see how Jesus interacted with him. I want you to see what Jesus uh, did concerning his failure, and it really is going to help us. And here's the first thing, and I like this one. Jesus isn't surprised by our failures. Sometimes we feel great shame just facing God, like, sorry, God, I fell. And it's like, I knew it was coming. I saw it coming. I know the beginning from the end. He's not surprised. L- listen to what Luke 22:31 31 declares. Simon, Simon, which is Peter's first name, listen, Satan has received permission to test all of you to separate the good from the bad as the farmer separates the wheat from the shaft. Now, we found out last week the enemy has permission to test us and throw us into valleys. And we talked about he's one of the sources for valleys, but these guys didn't know it, so Jesus is just letting them know it's going to happen. But here's what's being said here: He's letting Peter know you are going to be tested. And he knew he was going to fail. He already told him that. And so when you and I fell, Jesus isn't surprised. And that's important. Here's the second thing. This is really cool. Jesus prays for us before and after our failures. Now, on any given weekend, people will come up to me in the lobby, and they'll say, hey, Pastor Joe, going to have surgery this week. Would, would you keep me in your prayers? Pastor Joe, I have, have a big event coming up. Would you keep me in your prayers? Pastor Joe, have a big test at school. Would you keep me in your prayers? And I always say, yeah, but think about it. Who, who would you rather have pray for you, me or Jesus? It would be Jesus, right? You all, do, you all, do you all think he could pray a little better? But here's what's cool you can have both. You can have both, right? So listen to what, what he said, Luke twenty two thirty two. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. Jesus always prays for us, and he's praying. He knows he's going to fail. It's not a surprise, but he's praying that the failure doesn't knock him out because, you know, a failure can knock us out for decades if we don't understand how Jesus sees us sees a failure, and we don't do the next couple things I'm going to share after that. So listen to this, Hebrews seven twenty-five. Therefore, Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. There is the Christians. Intercession is a form of prayer, and this makes me smile because Jesus is up in heaven praying for you right now. Jesus is up in heaven praying for me, and boy, does that add confidence. I mean, Jesus is praying, and his, one of his prayers is that your faith doesn't fail and that you stand back up and you let him put you back on the mountaintop. That's pretty exciting. Here's, here's number three. Jesus expects us to recover from our failures, and for all of us that are married, you know, I, I think about the different times I've gone through failures. I make mistakes, whatever they are, big, small, but just to have your mate look at you and say, I believe in you, and say, you're going to come back. You're going to get through this. Doesn't it really help to know that and hear that? Well, that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying to each and every one of us. Listen to what he said to Peter. He said, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail, and when you turn back to me. He's so confident Peter's going to get back up after that failure, and Peter's going to continue to serve him. And that's the confidence Jesus has in every one of us in this room. And you might say, but no, I caused my, my failure. It was my fault. So what? Remember what we learned last week? It doesn't matter if you caused it or didn't. Jesus still loves you the same. He's still going to help you the same. Of course, we co- we caused most of our failures, but that that's just life. So I want to show you three things you can do when you're in a valley to have God just help you come up out of that valley. And the first one I really had to learn, I struggled with it greatly, and it goes like this. We must grieve our failures. That means you face it, you accept it. I like to say it this way. Uh, to get past your failure, you have to go through your failure. It's the only way through. Take a look at what happened with Peter uh, after he failed. Matthew twenty-six seventy-five says, And Peter remembered that Jesus had told him before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you do not know me and he went out and whip, wept bitterly. Now not all of us are cr- people that cry, right? Some guys cry, some guys don't. Some ladies cry, some ladies don't. And then kind of depends on what happened, right that determines some of that too. So grieving isn't always crying and you don't have to cry to grieve, but you have to face it and accept it. And when you face it and accept it, you will grieve. And there was an event that happened here at the church about 10 years ago, and it it, it was a pretty big event. And I'll never forget, I went three years and never grieved it. I just stuffed that baby. And that, guys, aren't we good at stuffing? And, and uh, I never grieved it, never faced it, never even dealt with it. I just kind of put it aside and thought, it hurts to think about this. I am not going to think about it, right? And three years into it, I was so messed up. Um, I was teaching great. No one would have known it. But I would sit in leadership meetings, and the leaders would throw things out. We should do this. I remember them throwing 210 out, that that idea coming out, you know. And, And I would literally, my hands would begin to shake, and my eye would, like, like, like Clouseau's lieutenant, you know, like, like, Oh, and I'd walk out of those meetings and i look at my wife and i say, honey, every time vision comes up, I, 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 I have fear just come upon me and I'm afraid to step out on the water. I'm afraid of failure. I have never been afraid of failure in my life. I have always been a crazy jump in head first. I don't care, if it doesn't matter if I fail, I'm gonna do this and now I'm shaking over ideas. And she looked at me, she's been saying this forever. She said, you need to go get help when are you going to go get help? You need a professional. And I said, but honey, I'm a man and I can handle this on my own, right? So after that, about three years then I said, okay. So I went online and I, I just had an idea. I went to this site where you can take a post-traumatic st- stress syndrome test and I took it and I had it at the highest level. I was as high as you could be. And then I, that's when I thought I need to really go get help. So I found a counselor. I had to drive an hour away, but she ran a clinic and she specialized in post-traumatic stress, and I thought, I need to go to this person, so I did, and do you know, it still took her almost a year to get me to grieve and face that? That's crazy, but I'll never forget the day I did. It was like a gusher, and I drove home that hour that day, and I literally had emotions like I was crying I had things come out of my mouth to shock me. It, it was crazy. And I got home and I looked at Gina. I'm like, I'm free. I'm free. The next week I went back to the said, I'm not sure why these things came out. She said, oh, that's just part of the process. God gives you grace during that time. And, uh, uh, but it freed me. But I had to face it. You, you cannot be free till you grieve whatever failure you've had. And sometimes it's difficult to do. But you have to look at it, face it, accept it, grieve it. I made a mistake, fine. I didn't make a mistake. It just happened. They wronged me, forgive them. You'll never be able to forgive till you grieve that failure. Here's the second thing. This one's a big one. We must release our failures. God did not create you to carry guilt. You and I can't carry guilt. Guilt will destroy us. It will eat us alive from the inside out. You cannot carry guilt, and that's why Jesus died, so you don't have to carry guilt. And when I say you must release your failures, I mean you must just throw it into God's mercy and let it go into the sea of forgetfulness, and you can no longer condemn yourself over what you did. You have to accept God's forgiveness and God's mercy. I like to say it this way, God's mercy is bigger than our failures. And this is tough for some of us to do. We carry the burden of guilt over mistakes we've made. We carry it for decades, and it eats us alive, and it makes us bitter, and it makes us angry. And we just have to realize that's one of the reasons Jesus died. He died so you could be forgiven of anything you do. And I love this verse. You guys ready for a cool verse? Lamentations 3.22. God's loyal love couldn't have run out, His merciful love couldn't have dried up. Why? They're created new every morning. So I used to think I'm a special case, God. I mean, you know, I'm extra mistakey and extra bad. And and God, you, you have to be sick of hearing me come to you. I remember as a younger Christian, I came to God tons of times every day for the same thing. And I keep saying, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. And finally, I had to realize he forgave me. I had to realize who I was in Christ. I had to realize I'm not that same guy, so I could walk free. And that's what so many of us have to do. But failure, you can't carry that burden. So you messed up. So it was your fault. So what? That's why Jesus died. And you just throw it into the mercy of God, because that's what God's for, and His mercies never run out. Here's one more, guys. It's pretty cool. We have to support our failures. We must support our failures. You know, it's cool. Peter had a connect group. He did, and we're connect groups are part of our fiber here, at believers. He had a connect group. Uh, his his connect group. Uh, Jesus was the leader, and uh, there there were eleven other guys in it. That was a connect group. These guys hung out all the time, right? Then their leader was murdered on the cross, and they weren't sure what happened. They were not, at this point, they weren't sure. Peter had this crazy failure, and guess what he did after his crazy failure? He kept going back to his group. Here's the third time. It says this in John 20, 26. A week later, the followers were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Peter was one of the followers. He's with his connect group the third time, and guess what they did? they supported him. And and if you're not hooked up in a connect group here, we're going to be starting some new ones uh, coming right here in a couple weeks. I want to encourage you to connect. You need support group. I'm in four connect groups, right? I have four of them that I'm part of. One of them is I pray every Saturday morning with a connect group. We pray every Saturday together. It's absolutely amazing. And there's a lot of ministry that happens in that group and a lot of support. But I'll never forget another failure. I'm not going to tell you the failure, but we stepped out as a church and it didn't work. And I was so angry with myself. I'm like, it was like a business side of the church failure. And I was so mad that it didn't work. And I'm in a board meeting. With, that's one of my connect groups, our board of trustees. And I'm in this board meeting and I'm just looking at the board. And this is months after the failure. And I'm looking at the board and I'm just saying, I so upset. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe we made this decision. And one of the board members just looked at me, and it changed my life. We need people to look at us and be able to speak into our lives. And he just said, listen, in my business, this happens all the time. He said, you can dot every I and cross every T. And he said, we did. We did all of our homework. He said, some things you launch just don't work. And you need to just let it go and go on with your life. And do you know that day that set me free? But what would have happened if I didn't have some support like that that could speak into my life? We we need to support our failures. And I trust you have some people around you. I was talking to a guy last night after church, and they drive over an hour Saturday nights to come to church. That's crazy, isn't it? And uh, he wants to be part of a Connect group, but he said I can't drive back in the middle of the week. What should I do? I said, well, you should get find a church in your community that has connect groups and hook up with one of them, because that way you don't have to drive here an hour plus during the week, and, and you need to just hook up with a group, because we all need to support not only our failures, but we need that support with a group. God created us to be part of a community, and I said to this man, if you just walk in and walk out on Saturdays, there's going to be things God wants to get to you that He'll never get to you, and those are going to come through the group. So if you do these three things, I'm telling you, God will pull you up out of a valley. It's absolutely amazing what he will do. And I can tell you he's done it in my life. Now, once he does, here's my final thought. You ready? We must use our failures. In other words, you need to minister what God did in your life to other people. Remember this verse? Um, this verse, Psalm 40 in verse 2 says this, He pulled me out of a horrible pit, out of the mud and the clay. He set my feet on a rock and made my steps secure. Listen to the next verse. He placed a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see this and worship. They will trust the Lord. Now let's talk about this new song, because I believe your greatest failure can become your greatest ministry, and it should. But of course, that's after God takes you back from the pit to the mountain peak. Once you're on the mountain peak, it should become ministry. But listen to this. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. What's that new song? it's a song of freedom. It's a song of peace. It's a song of I have joy again. I'm free again. That, that You can tell when someone's free, and there's nothing like being free, and you and I know when we're free. It's a new song. And guess what? When that song's in your mouth and you're back on a mountain peak, it doesn't mean the disaster didn't happen. It doesn't mean the failure doesn't happen. God's lifted you back up, and you're on your way again. When you have that new song, listen, many will see this and worship, and they will trust in the Lord. It's pretty amazing. That means you're just ministering your failure and what God did to bring you back up to other people, and that changes their lives forever. One of my failures, a pretty big one, um, I have a friend that's a very popular author, and he wrote this book on ministry failures. And uh, I'm I'm chapter one, I think, in the book. And uh, so, because of that, he just shares not just the failure, he shares the mountain being back on the mountain peak and what God did. But um, I receive calls from pastors all over the country, and you know, you know what they call for? They say, hey, I'm going through what you went through. I, I, need, I, I don't know what to do. I need, I need somebody just to help me through it. And I am glad to do that for them because I went to guys to help me during those tough times too. And that's what God wants to do with every one of us. You may not have your story in a book, but your story needs to be upon your lips, and you need to be free, and then God's going to allow you to minister life to people. So some of you, you know, yeah, you went through that divorce, and you had hurt, and maybe it wasn't your fault, maybe it was, but so what? Did God take you back up to the mountain peak? Are you free again? Are you going forward again? You have a story to minister to other people. Maybe you had a financial failure. Maybe, 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 maybe you filed bankruptcy. It doesn't matter. I think sometimes, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, I'm probably one of the most private people in this room. Can you imagine that? And God makes me a minister. And uh, I'm a very, very private person. But you know what I've learned? When God's done something great in our life and we have that new song in our mouth, we can set people free by sharing with them what God did for us. And that's what I want to encourage so many of you to begin to do today. So let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, man, I did my best with this message today. And I thank you for these incredible people that that sit before me, Lord. And some are in the pits. I mean, they're going through tough times, Lord, right now. Others have gone through tough times, but they've never really come out. And, Lord, many are on the mountaintops, and, man, they're, they're saying, I'm ready to share my story with people. And, Lord, many in between. Father, we are just so excited that you're the God that takes us from the pit to the mountain peak. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there are those in here right now, and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts they have not yet faced their failure. And I know it's not going to happen right now. Lord, I thank you for opening up their hearts to see and their eyes to see that they just need to grieve that and let it go and throw it into the mercy of God and let you be God and do what you died to do, Lord God. Lord, we're just so thankful for your mercy. We thank you that any failure we've ever had, moral, personal, relational, that your mercy's never run out. We thank you for this opportunity right now to release guilt into your everlasting arms. And, Lord, I just pray right now that your mercy and your love would flood every one of us, but especially those, Lord, that don't understand how much you love them, that have been carrying this guilt. And I thank you for this being a moment where that guilt is cast into the sea of forgetfulness, God, that you created. You said you don't remember our failures and our sins any longer. And Lord, for some that are in here, and I know I was in this place in different areas of my life for such a long time, Lord, they keep falling in the same area. Open up, open up all of our eyes, Lord, to your grace, to the finished work of the cross, to the new creation that's inside of us. And Lord, help us to stop looking at ourselves like we were before we were Christians and begin to look at ourselves in the light that you have created us, holy, righteous, and and pure in your sight. And Lord, I thank you for doing miracles in every single one of our lives this day. And church, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to give you just a moment to keep going on with that ministry time from Jesus. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm visiting, been here a couple times. But man, I want to connect with God for the first time. So here's here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby, or an adult, all great things. But you know you can do all those things and never know and meet Jesus personally. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when your spiritual eyes were open and you realized Jesus is the Savior? He did die for me. And Jesus, I accept you as my salvation, and I just make a decision today. To follow you. Can you remember a day in your life when you did that? If you're here today and you say, I can't, but I'm ready, that's the miracle. That's when everything happens. That's when we connect with God. It's amazing. So if you're here and you say, That's me, would you pray with me right now? Church, can we help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior. And I repent for my sins, Lord. But I realize that's not enough. I realize I need a Savior. And, and Jesus, I look to you. I believe you're the Savior. I believe you died for our sins. I believe God raised you up out of the grave. And I accept you as my personal Savior this day. And I make a decision, Jesus, to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up, listen up. If you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. You may not have felt anything but all your sins were washed away. That's pretty cool. And uh, God gave you the gift of eternal life. That means when you leave this earth, you go up right to heaven. And I'm so excited about what's happened in your life. You know what else has happened? If one person on planet earth, one person in this room, one person on the entire planet, if they accept Christ, all of heaven begins to celebrate, God included. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast.